So did you hear about the big news in the podcast world? I don't think so. Spotify stock up 7% today because Joe Rogan is now an exclusive Spotify guy. What's this mean, Brad? You're shaking. <laughs> I'm just, I'm over Joe Rogan. I don't, I don't, I don't like Joe Rogan, man. Are we picking fights with like, like the king you of know, podcasts? We've right all now? said, you know, we've all <laughs> said shitty stuff in our past when we were, dis- whether it's dissing the killers. <laughs> what? <laughs> Um, but come on. I mean, that guy, Okay, you, you said mine. What's just, yours? He, he really, he just, you know, it's one thing to call yourself like, I mean, podcasts are not, you know, it's not like a po- podcasts are not, they're not. And you know, they're not like, they're not news. They're not CNN, you know, right, it's like, right, right, right. so to say that you're going to be fair and balanced and get complete fucking racist assholes on your show to balance out your like liberal actor friends like is i i just think some people shouldn't be given a voice and like and even if you are going to give them a voice you can't then also sit there and go like yeah i kind of know what you mean like you know i went to the hood and uh let's face it those people are fucking animals or whatever you know the guys dropped too many of those to like yeah the justifications yeah no it's true i'm with you he's kind of like a a habitual like he just walks right on the line with everything to ensure that he keeps everyone. You know, he's like, I'll never say anything, you know, liberal enough to mess up all these like in between centrists that I've gotten. I'll never say anything conservative enough to just put me on the total shit list. But I do. I mean, I lost that guy when he brought that Milo clown on, you know, this like just outwardly racist, person with obviously ill intentions and i think it was a you know there was an actual conversation a couple years ago about do you give these people a platform or not do you put them in the uh the arena of ideas and let them be beaten by good ideas and like this is that idea that like uh that that good ideas win or something in the end and that's just simply not true if you know someone is a piece of shit and all they're doing is pushing a piece of shit addenda, then it needs to be totally blocked from anybody with rational thinking's experience. Like, like that's what I think, you know, if you, you're not helping the world by bringing Milos onto your program, you're only feeding the thing you need to feed good people on both sides, you know, that kind of shit. And really, at the end of the day, the podcast is not the news. So it's not your responsibility to think that you need to give everybody a voice. Like, when did the guy who hosted Fear Factor decide he was, like, fucking Peter Jennings? Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't even have to make that decision. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let other people make the decision of who deserves a voice. You know? Like... Sure, sure, sure. Uh, anyway. But I, and I used to listen to Rogan, and I, I just... He's, it's just a, there was just a few too many times that I was just like, okay, dude. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I can't... I'm over him. I'm over I'm over. I'm with you. I think, I think at first, like, when this was all starting, I imagined people like him sort of being close enough to my team, but close enough to connect with the other side that it might be useful. Right. You know, like, I did think that... Uh, his role like needed to exist for a while. And I thought it was actually maybe a good thing. Cause I was like, at least 
there's a semi semi rational voice that is at least keeping he has listeners who are on the far far right and he's maybe keeping them a little more you know oh maybe that's a bad idea maybe it's this and that's what i thought at first that that it could actually be positive but from what i've learned over the last 3 years like there needs to be a lot more like drawing lines in the sand with certain things. Yeah. Uh, if you ask me, like, like it's, it's gone beyond the point of, uh, you know, let's try to hash this out at the fucking coffee shop. Right. Like it's, it's different now and you actually have to take some stands, you well, know? And because, I mean, the biggest thing is because it just doesn't seem to be working. Right. I mean, yes. at the end of the well, day, not, not for one side, that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was working for someone. Um, I, you know, whatever. Everybody thinks that, you know, the other side's cheating, but who ugh. knows? <laughs> well, you know what this has nothing to do with? Teenage Bottle Rocket. Hell it doesn't yeah. talk about any of this shit. <laughs> That's the reason I love him. You know, Ray is just he's a romantic, you oh, know? Yeah. Like he just writes love songs and has fun <laughs> and skates and you know, like you're not gonna hear a the overtly political song on a teenage bottle rocket record, and I love that. That's, no, they're safe. They're he's not safe having, place. He's not having these thoughts at all. No, I even <laughs> I tried to get him out of them in a series. He's like, nah, I'm good on that. Be assured, you will not. You will not hear any of this dismal talk in this podcast. No, no, that was the only five minutes. I thought we were going to talk podcasts. I didn't know we were getting into that. But I love teenage bottle rocket. Uh, they've been one of my favorite bands for a long time. Uh, I heard them maybe, I don't know, over 10 years ago, maybe 15 at this point. And uh, I had gotten one of their records and I'm like, holy shit, like this is the closest thing I've heard to the Ramones in yeah. a really yeah. long time. <laughs> Not really Ray's like vocal delivery, but what he's talking about and the speed, precision and like just straightforward nature of the music, especially the way Brandon played. I was like, wow, this is the closest thing to that. And I got really into him and then was uh, walking around a festival. Couldn't even tell you where, I'm sorry to say. I think I was having some drinks, walking around a festival. Had no idea Teenage Bottle Rocket was on this festival and walked up behind him and like randomly just walked on a stage and there they were playing the last three, four songs of their set. And the second I watched Brandon play drums, I was like, this is one of my bands. Like this is... Right, a band that I'm just going to be behind and support, and let if they're doing something horrible, maybe not, but anything outside of like kicking puppies, this is one of my new favorite <laughs> bands, and it's kind of been that way from the start. I like Warning Device is the record I fell in love with. Um, it's just like it's it's everything I want in in punk. Really, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm a I'm not a Sex Pistols guy. I'm a Descendants guy. You know, right? And for someone like me. This is like the perfect band. And Ray's just a cool ass dude, man. Um, so yeah, this was a uh this was a fun one. I enjoyed it. I wanted him to talk a little more smack about cowboys. I was trying to get him going on that, but he just he wouldn't bite. He's not gonna talk shit about his backyard there. But let me tell you, I after that I'll never fight a ranch hand. No, that's, that's a, a bad I so I've good on that. I come from some um from some farmers. Yeah, you know, back in my uh, lineage there, and I'll say that everything he was talking about, like I have an, I have one uncle in particular that, like, when you shake his hand, you're like, it's not like a hand you've ever encountered before. I mean, right. it, it feels like it's made of metal. You know what I mean? Yes, his calluses sure. are so thick. 
<laughs> like it doesn't even feel like a human hand. And he's a pretty big guy too, so it's a big hand. <laughs> I feel like I would meet him and shake his hand, just be like, Whew, "What's up, of mice and men? What's up, Lenny? What's going on?" And he doesn't, he doesn't talk him. much either. He doesn't talk. He's a real farmer. Even more, even yeah, more so. Doesn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> when he does talk, like, does he drop nuggets of wisdom? No, it's usually you know, simple. Ask you to get another beer for him. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, what I, I I almost like dream and aspire to be a person like that because I imagine the gears in their head are functioning in a much more, you know, deliberate and understanding way than mine is. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, he definitely like they, listens. Yeah. He's definitely yeah. listening because when he does speak up or ask a question, you can tell that he's been thinking about what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And he's smart. I, he's a smart guy. He just doesn't talk. I like that, man. <laughs> I, I know I'm in the wrong business, but I aspire to be that guy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, anyway, let's listen to Ray's interview. Yeah, it's a good one. It's going on <laughs> Hi, Ray. Hi. What's up, buddy? You have your fucking friends in Germany doing Milo's homework? Yeah, yeah, doing <laughs> German homework for Milo, and they're failing. They got 67%. No! Uh, oh, no. Yeah, I was like, what are these other kids going to get? I hope they have friends in Germany because uh, we're barely passing. Wow. No German. That's pretty What hilarious. happened? Is it is um, it just one of those traditional the way we learn the, German and the way they speak German is just different? <laughs> I think it was the first week of um, quarantined learning, right? And she thought she was going to grade a specific way, and everybody fucked up the first week, and then she realized she had to be a little more simplified, I guess, and maybe but not so difficult. Um, I've been around a lot of Germans, Ray. I wonder if it was, this is a lesson to make sure the American actually learns their own work. <laughs> there might yeah. be a little bit of that. There might be a little bit of that. <laughs> Just a taste. How you doing, Yeah, buddy? yeah, yeah. Uh, good, good. Okay. You, sound, um, you sound bright and lively. All right, man. Yeah, I got a, I got a nice microphone for this kind of bullshit, so... <laughs> Yeah, very everyone, professional. Everyone is in the last two months has has greatly uh, improved their home home studio gear and looks <laughs> amazingly. I think. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, I have like a Pro Tools setup that I do teenage bottle rocket demos on, and Cody has like this, this simple Garage Band thing, and his vocals always sound so great and um, warm and shit. And I'm like, yeah. what, what, what mic are you using? And he's like, Oh, I got this audio technica mic that plugs into a USB port. And I was oh, like, shit. cool. I got an API preamp and an SM seven. And it sounds like shit compared to your $200 microphone. So I'm going to buy it. Yeah. SM seven's a great mic for podcasting, man. Well, yeah, but, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty bright when I use it in Pro Tools for Bottle Rocket demos. Right. I could kind of EQ it to get, like, a warmer tone, but Cody's vocals through this Audio-Technica that he uses in GarageBand sound just as good as, like, Blasting Room. It's, it's amazing, and his bass tone's awesome. His drum tone is not good because it's just him doing the keyboard drums with the MIDI shit, and then <laughs> right. uh, his guitar stuff sounds a little, like, bad jawbreaker, but... <laughs> 
Well, there's no better way to get people to turn off of a podcast and letting two tape op nerds go at it in the first two minutes. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Good let's start. Let's yeah. start now. <laughs> so, so, right. I do have a speaking of home recording and all that. So let's just start. Where, where are you at? And uh, at what point did you decide to start, you know, taking what was happening from just a passing thing to, oh, shit, this is uh, something serious we all got to deal with. Well, right now I am in Wyoming, where I live, Laramie, Wyoming, which is where the University of Wyoming is, um, which is currently vacant. Right. And it's about an hour north of Fort Collins, Colorado, two hours north of Denver. Um, not to sound too irresponsible, I make myself sound like a total shithead, but... My girlfriend and I went to Vegas uh, March 11th weekend, <laughs> right? And uh, right in the meat of it. Well, it was before it really got fucking yeah. nuts. Yeah, that was but, the that was the weekend. Yeah, the, yeah, it was the weekend. So we we took off. We had already bought our we had already bought our um, tickets and all that kind of stuff. Like, hey, let's go. I know it's sketchy. Um, fuck it. We went the first day. We were like, this is rad. Let's, we're having fun. The second day, it was like, this is really gross. And th- I can't think of a grosser place on the planet. Like, it's worse than airports, right? It's, yeah, a uh, casino is just a it, petri dish of. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. So, yeah, that's whenever it hit us. Uh, we couldn't have gotten home soon, soon enough after that point. Right. Um, Lagwagon at that point was in Australia. And I was like, oh, oh shit. shit. I hope these guys don't get stuck there. And so we got home and showered like we were in the crying game, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> tried, tried to just wash the filth of, of disease-ridden Las Vegas off. I feel like you need yeah. that shower when you get home from Vegas anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a, yeah, there's like a two-day max in Vegas for me. Oh, same, yeah. Yeah, three days That's- is like, ugh, like – I'm the same as you. I'm, I'm a day in, and I'm like, yeah, gambling. I can smoke wherever I want. These cheap buffets are great. And then just something changes culturally after like 36 hours where I'm like, Jesus Christ, get me yeah. out of this place. I'm going to be William H. Macy in, in no time if I stay <laughs> right. here. This is no yeah, I think it's a good test of sanity how long you can stay in Vegas. And definitely for most people, I think three is kind of – three is the magic number. That's it. That's the top. Yeah, and you had you you had some some tours and upcoming shows and things like that you had you had to deal with, correct? Yeah, absolutely. We're supposed to be in Australia right now. Actually, no, we were supposed to play in Hawaii last night on our way home. Oh fuck! <laughs> um, so and then we had a, a we had a reschedule a tour in April, which is rescheduled for July. Which we're all like, well, what do we do? I think it's just yeah. um, sit and wait, and uh, if shit's still crazy. Cancel again. Um, so it's 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 kind of complicated as far as that kind of shit goes. Yeah, there is a show scheduled for us to play that we rescheduled in Laramie on June twenty fourth. Okay, and we're the only band on this like venue's website, and it makes me feel like a real <laughs> shithead. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you get if you get some people showing up with like I need a haircut signs or something, maybe you know you made the wrong move. 
<laughs> yeah, we, well, it's Wyoming, you know, it's conservative here. We're catering to that market. And, yeah, right. Uh, hey, man, got to Got to sell records, baby. Republicans buy shoes too, right? Um, <laughs> hey. hey. But, um, but speaking okay. of Wyoming, I do – I mean I just envision you from the outside as like basically the mayor of Laramie, you know, just essentially walking around and kissing babies and taking pictures everywhere you go. But one f- funny thing I found from my research, which makes this all real, Ray, is I'm looking up famous people from Wyoming, right? And it starts strong. I'm like, oh, look, famous Trapper, James Bridgers, Dick Cheney, artist Jackson Pollock, Buffalo Bill Cody. And then I kind of dropped off and I didn't really (laughs) see any more, which I'm pretty sure firmly puts you in the top five or at least the top 10 of most notable people in Wyoming history. How do you feel about that? Uh, well, I'm surprised you didn't mention Danny Sailors from the University of Wyoming and you invented the jump shot. You're like, he's such a oh, basketball guy. I gotta look into guy. that. I gotta look so, into uh, that. Um, I feel a little awkward, um, with that. I mean, Laramie's weird because it's the University of Wyoming here and right, right. kids are in and out. And if I make buddies with somebody, they graduate and right, they sure. start an emo band in Tallahassee or something. Right, 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 right. Same thing in New Brunswick, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but there are some some friends that are, it's just, it's good, it's, it's good and it's bad. I'm on tour, and when I'm on tour, it is sort of what you described. Like, hey, can you hold my kid for a picture? Will you sign this? Can I get a guitar pick? Right. Um, will you call my friend and wish him a happy birthday? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, then I come home and I'm just an asshole at the bar. So right, it's nice. Right. It's nice. But then after I'm the asshole at the bar for too long, I'm like, ah, I want to go play punk shows and uh, hold people's babies and wish strangers happy birthday. Right. So <laughs> Now, I remember one time I was playing in Denver, uh, I believe at Marquee Theater, and I met a guy who had come down with his father, his sister, and his son. It was like three generations of this family who came. And the guy's at the merch table, and we start chatting, and he had told me they were from about eight hours north in Wyoming. And they took a you know big road trip down to come see the show, obviously, because we were never going to make it there. And, you know, I start talking to this guy, and he's telling me how... You know, the only thing in, in his town is a uh, a coal plant and that, you know, um, basically if you want to make money and raise a family in that town, you have to work at said coal plant or leave. You know, those are your uh-huh. two right. options. And, and you know, and we start talking about, you know, fossil fuels. And so he's like, of course, I would love the world to do this, but I also don't want my town to die. You know, and it was honestly a very, like, illuminating conversation with somebody I don't often get to talk to, but he had a real like sensibility I noticed. And I was wondering, do you think like what's growing up in Wyoming really like, and how does it shape the personality of people from there? Hmm. Um, well, I was born in Katy, Texas. Um, there's a big difference, maybe not politically, but there's a big difference as far as we're taking our skateboards down to, this gutter and there's someone spray painted sex pistols on it. That was Texas. And it was like, shit, our parents can't find out about this skate spot. 
Wyoming, you got to dig a little deeper for shit back <laughs> right, in the right. day. You know, sure. people just don't have Sid Vicious posters and shit like that. Um, but w- Wyoming is more like a left-wing liberal town because the university's here. The rest of the state's more conservative. Right. I lived, spent most of my time in Wyoming and Laramie. Um, there is, you know, a big agriculture section of the University of Wyoming. As far as shaping people, well, I think that there is a gritty, hardworking, blue-collared element to Wyoming, and you don't really fuck with these cowboys at all, you know? Yeah, right. If you run into a group of them that's drunk at the bar and they want to fight, like, don't be brave. Like, these motherfuckers like branded themselves in seventh grade with a real fucking brand, you know? (laughs) Right, right. Like (laughs) Like, it's it's next level, like tough guy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, um, it's it's scary. It can be scary, but they also can be real cool in a, in a weird way. And they get along with everybody. Um, and these are like proper like rancher types, like people who really like work land and stuff like that. These are real cowboys. Like we have the real deal here. Um, Yeah. And what's that mean, like, to someone from central New Jersey like me, who has clearly never run into one in my life? um, Like, what does that mean? uh, They work for their parents on a ranch, and they help flip cattle over for their dads to brand them and get kicked in the fucking face and pissed on. Um, Right. And they're just kind of shredded, not from lifting weights, but from digging fence posts and uh, hanging barbed wire or whatever it entails to to do this kind of shit. Um, it's like Wyoming is the least populated state. 500,000 yes. people live in the entire state and wow. it's a fucking huge state. Right. So there's a lot of land for cattle and it's freezing here. So you can't really grow much shit, mm. you know? So it's like, Oh, we're passing this field for growing blueberries or <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> it's like, we're passing this field that's for growing cows. And, um, so there is that element of it, but it's also one of those things where it's freezing here like it is in Chicago, and me and my friends that couldn't go outside and skateboard, and whenever it was not the weekend and we couldn't snowboard, we'd stay in and play in our bands, you know? And, yeah, um, right. So it kind of forced us to, to make something out of nothing, but at the same time, there was a scene here in Laramie before I started playing in punk bands. Sure. And Fugazi came through here, and Seaweed came through here. Um, Firehose played Laramie. Nice. So it was like, hey, there's this like a label here in town called One Legged Pop, and there was not really what I would call punk bands, but there was bands that played with touring bands coming through. So this stuff was kind of established, and the university would kind of back it. And they had this. The university had this magazine called Frontiers Magazine. Hmm. And they released a floppy seven inch with, oh, yeah. with three local bands from the One Legged Pup label. They did a big feature on it. So the university kind of backed the, the punk scene. And, you know, our friends in this band called Some Kind of Cream opened up for the Queers and Screeching Weasel in 93 in Fort Collins. And our friends in this band called File 13 opened up for Green Day in Fort Collins at a nearby venue. Um, in 92 and so when Brad and I started getting the punk rock shit we were like fuck this is attainable like our friends opened right, up for right. like our two of our favorite bands and um, Wyoming 
was never really a factor as far as, oh, we're from the middle of nowhere. It was more like, oh, shit. If they could do it from Wyoming, we could fucking do it from Wyoming. Sure. I'm not sure if that answers your question. Yeah, that's awesome. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen like one of those one of those people convert to like being a musician or like a rock and roller or like one of these people who works a ranch and just gets like you said really into Fugazi or really into the Clash and then starts coming to shows or is it like a zero percent turnaround there? No, absolutely. There is dudes that wear cowboy boots at shows. Yeah, right. And they're not being ironic. Like this is <laughs> right. Yeah, this it's is just, this is just this the shoes, shoes they have. Yeah, this, yeah. Period. This is this guy's <laughs> shoes, and and they show up with like a pearly snap shirt and yeah, yeah. a fucked up looking cowboy hat that's been sweat through way too many times, and no one's gonna question him being there at all. No one's right. gonna be like, "Oh, look at that weirdo." But sometimes Tory bands are like, "Holy fuck." Look, there's a real deal cowboy right the there. Cowboy's it's like, here. Yeah. yeah, that's James. And they're like, yeah. let's go let's go take a shot and uh let's hope he doesn't get drunk and get in the pit again tonight. That guy broke his nose last time or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah, I wouldn't wanna I wouldn't wanna scuffle scuffle in a pit with a ranch hand or something. That sounds terrible. Yeah, well, you know, some of them also could be uncoordinated and big. <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't want to like, be drunk in cowboy boots in, in the middle right. of the mosh pit. <laughs> yeah, and way too big at the same time. Like, how's this guy six seven? Um, but right. uh, it's all that milk, man. All that nice farm <laughs> milk. <laughs> That's but, awesome. Yeah, they're and, uh, and a lot of those dudes are here to stay. Um, yes, like right. this dude Matt Nicholson that has owned several different bars here in Laramie and he knows some fishing spots that are straight up dangerous to get into because the rattlesnakes mm-hmm. and he uh, is a dear friend, you know? And if I saw right. him in a bottle rocket show, it'd be like hugs or whatever. And maybe not hugs, handshakes, a firm handshake. Right. Good and, firm uh, handshake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not so, the hugging type. Now, not, are yeah. you into, are you into any like uh, outdoor stuff like that? Do you fish? Do you hunt? Yeah, I'm not a fly fisherman, but I have a really nice rod and reel I just bought, and I can't wait to bring it to Lake Owen cool. and try to freaking cast across the whole goddamn lake. Um, <laughs> Milo and I snowboard tons. This year, our season was cut oh, short, cool. but every weekend, if we can, if I'm not out touring, we are shredding once or twice a week. Um, we go this. We used to go to the skate park a lot more when he was little. Uh, but now we're kind of like bike rides. We do the Frisbee golf thing. We get rad with oh, Frisbee yeah. golf. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. Yeah. There's this course in Fort Collins. It's actually in Laporte where Green Day played and where Screeching Weasel played. It's called Laporte. It's, it's like, I don't know, five minutes from Fort Collins, but there is the sweetest Frisbee golf course there. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, my, Milo is what? He's 12 now? He's 13. He's 13. Okay. So, and he he goes on tour with you sometimes. I heard he's limited to uh, two stage dives a show because he'll he'll just get a little excessive if you don't put a cap on it. Um. Yeah, it's it's weird. I, you know it, it, that happened because he he abused his stage diving privileges in Spain. Yeah, what happened? Well, it was just like you can't just live up there, asshole. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Someone's uh, gonna get. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But so yeah, you have to gotta, teach him the etiquette. 
<laughs> he's gone. He's gone to Europe with us twice, and he did Warp Tour with us twice. Cool. Um, and he does the whole thing, the whole runs. Well, the first Warp Tour we did was in 2014, so he was a little young, so he only did yeah. two weeks of that. Okay. And then the next Warp Tour was in 2016 that we did, and he did two weeks of that as well, and plus the first week, so kind of three weeks total. Um, Europe has been right around two weeks for both times that he went, but you know, if we're opening for MXPX in Denver, he's definitely going to be there. We're hot water music, whatever. Right. We just cruised out of Denver together. He goes to all the Laramie shows and does he, uh, does he work at all at the shows? Do you make him sell merch or put things together? Carry like, are you setting him up to be a a road dog? That would be a big hell. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) he's, he definitely stands around and gives everybody a lot of shit as far as, um, oh, you're only going to carry in the kick jump pedal, pedal, huh, dickhead, or whatever. Oh, okay. Just so, like that. So, he just hears such shit that I say and repeats it. It's kind right. Of, um, but he'll get up on stage before we rock and do a drum solo. Nice. And sometimes it's awesome. But at Red Rocks in Denver, which was just like monumental, we're playing Red Rocks. Milo went up and flopped, and it was like, "Oh shit, he's like sucking." And then, <laughs> and then, teenage bottle rocket went on stage, and we sucked too. So he just started it out for us. Yeah, that's awesome. I saw I saw you talking um, for, uh, in in an interview about how how people you know always come up to you being like, "Hey, you're you're a great father. You're such a good father." And that, you know, it's easy to kind of fake good parenthood on social media and only present the best sides of the day. And right. do you have any insight into spraying Windex into his fishbowl to induce him brushing his teeth? Yeah. Um, well, it's actually in our song, Everything to Be. And everyone really catches this lyric and it says, yeah. I'll kill your goldfish if you don't brush your teeth. Oh, right. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, I just opened the bottle of Windex and I held it above his fish tank. And whenever I started to act like I was going to pour it, he's like, all right, all right, I'll brush my teeth. And, I'll do it. Uh, I'll do it. But I mean, that's just one instance. I mean, last night, it's just, it's crazy how much screaming went, it went into him taking a shower. And finally, he's in there and he's humming. Like it's the best goddamn thing that ever happened to his life, and yeah, yeah, it's like, dude, why do I have to go through this? And I have to bribe him sometimes. Like, I'll read you that Conan book, or yeah, you know, <laughs> or I'll lie straight up. Like, we'll wrestle if you get out of the shower. We'll wrestle. We'll wrestle. You know, and it's like, I, there's no fucking way I'm wrestling right now. But. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you? So it's it's funny. Like, you know, you said that people pull this off on social media. Obviously, it's a um, something that people do on social media. You pretty much just, you're not going to take a selfie of the most depressed moment of your day normally, and you're going to be presenting to people the glimmer of hope you had in the day. Like, how do you think social media is playing a role in like music and also the way like the world is just panning out right now? Well, right now I notice there's a lot less posts on Instagram. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. one's doing anything. So it's like, okay, do I take a cup picture of my morning cup of coffee? My life's fucking boring. Um, I think that there's a lot of what you were just saying as far as faking, you know, I mean, I'm not going to name any names, but there's several fucking bands out there that will get an opening slot playing with bad religion circle jerks and whatever old ass motherfuckers are playing these festivals nowadays <laughs> and they will get on stage with their hands in the air like it's their crowd and some people i think will buy into that 
You know, right, like, hey, well, right. this band is um, huge. And it's just, <laughs> or I always thought it was funny whenever a band would actually, Teenage Bottle Rocket kind of has this crowd where everybody's out smoking. And sure. if you start skate or die, they all start running in, but you do have that opportunity for a split second. Like, let's take a picture of the dumbest <laughs> show we played in <laughs> right. 10 years. And, um, you know, like, let's post that one. And I wish that we were like a little more bold as far as that goes, but we're, we're guilty of the same shit. Let's get the picture of like the bear crowd surfing and Ray's catching air or whatever. I always refer to myself as Ray when I'm talking about my band, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so I think that comes into play. Um, I, I wasn't trying to cry too hard about no effects, circle jerks, bad religion, but they better have defibrillators at those punk and drug shows when they happen. And <laughs> I know, man, it's getting funnier and funnier. Every time I see like uh, a listing for a festival in like Austria, I'm like, oh shit, they play? Oh shit, yeah. they still play? Oh, that's yeah. cool. I didn't know they played. Yeah, but yeah. I just I wish it was. I wish there was a big festival with uh, you know Pup Menzingers. Banner Pilot, Teenage Bottle Rocket. So, you know, of course, I got to throw our band in there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, just like, why is it still the same fucking Warped Tour from 1994? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it's funny. But, you know, and part of it is like, you know, I think people forget what happened to all those bands in the 90s when punk broke to the mainstream. Like, just because, you know, Bad Religion did get kind of mainstream. Um <laughs> But I think there was a huge tail off for bands like Bad Religion and No Effects, where even though they weren't on uh, MTV like Green Day and Offspring, I think the whole scene got so big at that time that there was a little bit of like, I don't know if it was artificial size or real size, but those bands did get to a point that most punk bands can't get to because of the everything that was happening and then kind of had to come back down to earth. So I do think, like, from a public perception, there's an idea that these bands might be bigger than they are, you know? Right. Well, you know, No Effects is an exception to that because they're just fucking huge everywhere. Yeah, huge. huge. Um, yeah, but, like, crazy. you know, bands like Face to Face is a prime example of, you know, they're going to they, they play smaller shows and they're certainly not going to take a picture of their show for um, – their Rise record release in 2013 in Memphis. I can tell you that right. much because I was fucking there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it's cool. Let's get the uh, Grandpa Festivals going, but maybe somebody should try to figure out, like I said, Menzinger's Pup and, uh, you know, the new shit, Fiddler, yeah. whatever whatever the shit is. Sounds like um, a good show. Maybe we should just start, hey, Brad, you're old. Do, do you think we should... <laughs> Start separating uh, festivals by age. <laughs> Have a forty-plus punk festival. I mean, isn't it that way now? I mean, kind of. Like these package tours are kind of catered to obviously the the older I mean, punk demographic. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, I haven't been to a Riot Fest, but well, it Riot, seems to me like that's an older crowd, right? It's older, but I mean, Riot Fest is at the size already. Like you know, after the first couple years, that it that transcends punk. That's like just a giant rock and roll festival, I would say at this point. But, you know, it's funny because talking about uh, you were talking about Vegas before, and I remember playing in like the late '90s, playing in Vegas at uh, like the Hard Rock or something. And I think at that point they had, I don't know if they had like a punk rock. Um, like 
slot machine or the waitresses, but I was thinking like, oh, dude, yeah, punk rock casino. We'll do a punk rock casino and we'll get like Green Day to play. You know, like I'm thinking, you know, in like 20 or 30 years. Yeah, yeah. And it was like a complete fantasy. And you know what? It's going to happen. There will be a punk rock casino. Maybe. I mean, they got like Joey Ramone's jacket at the Hard Rock. That might be as far as we get. <laughs> but I, I think it's going to happen, man. The fashion, the fashion. It's too easy to car- to make a good cartoon character. It's true. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you right, at this point. Speaking of which, you know, after over like forty years of uh, punk bands and punk history, now spanning, you know, many different sounds and looks, attitudes. Like, wh- what is punk rock to you? Uh, I think it is playing music with your friends and not really having any sort of expectations, but also it being limitless to a certain extent mm-hmm. and as accessible as everything is nowadays, it is hard to find good music and you got to, you got to kind of dig for it. So it just means a lot of different things to me. I think um, first and foremost to me personally is the music. Right. And there's two types of music. There's good music and there's bad music. And for sure. me, good music is mo- mostly punk, you know, and that's what I want to listen to and get stoked. And I want to be supportive of my friends' bands that no one knows. I want to be keep it real. I want to I want to be a good dude. And I've learned some ethics through being into punk rock that I think helped me be a better dude, man. You know, just, sure. you, I've learned stuff from propaganda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've sure. learned stuff from Fugazi and I want to apply certain things to my lifestyle and, and better myself as a person. I think it's about change. I think it's about, um, you know, just being rad. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, like a band like Fugazi, I'm glad you brought it up because I know they're a, a big influence on you for the new record. I don't know if, you know, it's been a, a long time for that. But to you, like, does punk have to be fast? Does it have to be loud? Or is Fugazi as much of a punk band as anybody else? Uh, yeah, Fugazi's definitely a punk band. I mean, there's no fucking doubt about that. And yeah. it's, that's the thing, like, about what I was talking about earlier with Firehose and Seaweed. Sure. Um, these bands aren't, you know, the offspring or, or whatever the fuck, you know, some person like the fat records, nineties sound, if you will, you know, it's like, that's not going to define what punk is to me. And for most of my friends too, you know, right. Unfortunately, maybe for somebody, it hasn't really evolved since then for them. And they're still at the show with their shirt off wearing a backpack at the age of 45. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, Fugazi is definitely a punk band. I think it's more about the clubs you play and the bands you're affiliated with it and the way you run your ship, man. You know, I mean, you do you think be, uh, you could be a rap band with punk ethics? There, there's like, doesn't, doesn't insane count pussy like, have more punk ethics than most punk bands nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> well, that sure. I mean, in the way that they're kind of like a, a self-perpetuating enterprise, for sure. And that's kind of where I was getting at with the question is like, you know, if you ask me about punk music and I can tell you a band from 77 to 87 to 2007 and how different they sound, you know, I'm looking for what is that like uniform thing that ties all those bands. And it does seem to be 
some version of a social conscious, be it positive or negative. I mean, you know, some uh-huh. punk bands t- take it a crazy way, some bands take it a positive way, but maybe it's just that that concept that not everything's right. We know yeah. it's incorrect, and we know that something needs to be done about it. We just don't know exactly what it is. Yeah, I mean, I, and I agree with that. I, Teenage Bottle Rocket's definitely not that band. We've sounded the same since we for like the past 20 years. But, <laughs> um, before I was in Bottle Rocket, I was in a band called Homeless Wonders, and our first seven sounds like Screeching Weasel. Our next record sounds like Less Than Jake meets Slapstick meets Screeching Weasel. Right. Our next record sounds like Fugazi meets Avail. And our songwriting was sort of what we were listening to that weekend. And, you know, with Bottle Rocket, it was all, hey, we're getting leather jackets. We're wearing Chuck Taylors. We're not even going to have two <laughs> kick jump hits between yeah. the snare drum hits. We're going to have three chord songs. And we're not really going to touch on politics at all. These songs are just going to be fun songs. Sure. And there's been some some changes to the that, um, you know, sort of, the rule book. The rule book's changed, right? Um, but uh, not much. It really yeah, hasn't changed much. much. And but there is bands that you know accidentally record their best record first because they don't know what the fuck they're doing, and yes. it just sounds awesome. And then they learn how to do their shit. And this is not really an original thought. Ian McKay was talking about this, and I'm kind of stealing it right now. But uh, they learn how to play shit, and they learn how to emula- emulate other bands, and they suck afterwards like yeah you were good <laughs> right. but you didn't know what you're doing but now you learned how to sound like whatever and it doesn't sound good right right um, but then there's bands that release you know some of their best records deep into their career and yeah guess you got to stay over those humps it's hard um i mean you guys have put out a record every two to three years essentially since 2003 which is pretty impressive like what, what's your What's your process at home for writing from your first record to now? And, and how have those like approaches in songwriting and lyrics changed since 03 to now? Um, certainly in 03, we were driven by the failure of our other band. And right, right. we just were, you know, we had a fire lit underneath our fucking feet, man. We were... Did, did something we, specific happen to that band that, that made you guys so worked up? Well, our bass player left and our record label dropped us and we felt betrayed. And sure. we felt like we had obtained some stuff that was, it was the most important thing in our lives. We opened right. up for at the drive-in at Gilman Street. Whoa, we, uh, cool. yeah, um, yeah, that's like our one claim to fame. We, we opened up for Gutter Mouth and, <laughs> and the Nobodies at the okay. Ogden Theater. Um, nice. We were in high school. It was our high school band, but we were able to leave Laramie, Wyoming and go to Boulder, Colorado and play to a sold out club at club 156 and feel important. And then come back to Laramie and these motherfuckers don't even know who lag wagon is, but uh, we get to go and enjoy this weekend at a really cool university. That's better than the university of Wyoming, whatever we were to build up our egos. Then all of a sudden it was like, guess what? You don't fucking matter. Yeah. Right. And so we wanted to write songs that were cool for us. And we wanted them more than anything to be about something. You know, there was a lot of bands at that time in 2003, really the Teenage Bottle Rocket started in 2001. There's a lot of bands that time that were really diving into huge words. They would need a vocabulary to understand. I mean, you would need a dictionary to, yeah, yeah. to understand the lyrics to 
whatever song and how awesome you are at guitar. And we're like, <laughs> fuck all that shit. Let's write a song about like being kicked off the B team basketball team. And uh, it's going to have three chords. And that's kind of where those songs were fueled from. We're like, fuck, fuck the punk scene. It becomes yeah. something that we didn't like, you know? Yeah. yeah a lot I love of, that. A lot of resentment towards it. We felt betrayed and we were like, fuck you. And then a couple records flowed after that. And then you kind of get into like, okay, we're on fat records. We need to make a record that's good. And your mentality kind of changes. Sure. You know, whatever. it's like, we're no longer writing songs that is just for us and fuck everybody else. It's like, let's write some songs that are for us, but also stoke everybody else. Yes. And Cody's always like written down song titles first. Huh. Um, so like Bloodbath of Burger King was definitely a song title before it was a song. <laughs> cool. And and then I started doing that recently as well within the past five years. Like the last time that I took acid was the first the first time that I took acid was the last time that I took acid was definitely <laughs> a song title before it was a song. Yeah. That one and, writes itself. I mean. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Hold on one quick sec, Benny. I just need to interject very quickly. Open Your Ears Records has just released a debut full length from the band called House and Home. It's out right now. These guys are from Richmond, Virginia. Check out the single. Yeah, that's House and Home with Shrunken Head, their single. To get more information and order it, oyerex.com. That's O-Y-E-R-E-C-S.com. Open your ears, records. You know, and then also Cody and I could fuel each other as far as He's sitting on his ass. I'm sitting on my ass. I'll demo a song. I'll send it to him. And I'll be like, that's pretty good. And then I'll write another song that's better, and I'll send it to him. And he's like, all right. And then he'll write a song that squashes right. both my songs. Right, and I'll be right, like, right. well, fuck you. How about this one? And he's like, oh, really? Fuck you. And then we go nice. in and record a record. And, so and you have, have that three ways now, too, right? Because now Miguel writes some songs as well. And Miguel is writing really good songs right now. He has three songs right now that are great. Um, I mean, I, a lot of distaste for Miguel right now because of that. Um, <laughs> so uh, you're going to um, write your best records now with, uh, with two people chomping at your ass like this. It's good. <laughs> yeah. And right now I'm, I'm at kind of in a rut. I mean, this fucking quarantine shit is not helping me creatively, but I'm kind okay. of sleeping in and stirring around lyrics in the morning. And I had a notepad next to me last night and scribbled out some lyrics that I'm proud of this morning. Um, and I'm going to demo a song after I'm done with you guys with Milo. I have to play the nice. drums because my fucking drummer lives in Edmonton, Alberta. Oh, but yeah. Milo, of course, sees me playing drums. And so I'll just make a new playlist for all the kick drum, the snare drum and all this shit. And he'll do it, too. And then we'll fight about which one's better afterwards. But uh, <laughs> how's your yeah. drum skills? You get you get get um, around the kid a little bit. Like compared to uh, Josh Freeze, not great. Compared to like 
<laughs> Brian from Nightbirds. I'll go toe to toe with Brian from Nightbirds. <laughs> oh, okay, he can he can jam. I've, he's he's been. I, I noticed. Never seen I, me do no, my shit. I mean, uh, <laughs> I noticed he's um, been bored during quarantine and doing a lot of drum solos from his house with his daughter. Yeah, watching. I love that shit. Yeah, he's he's good. I I hate when people squash their snare drum hand with their hi hat hand. You know, there's a oh, lot of. Oh yeah, sure. There's a lot of bands showing off their songs on drums now that we're all stuck at home. Like, hey, look, this is how you play this track on this record that no one gave a fuck about. And, and as least- a drummer, man, I got to be honest. Like, I watch some of you guys, like, fucking around on drums, and I'm like, oh, cool. You guys look awesome for this 30-second clip on Instagram. Try playing a fucking show like that with your <laughs> with your right hand all the way over there and your left hand all the way over there. You'd be dead yeah. after a song and a half, you crazy singers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, um, and Brandon, my twin brother, was kind of built out of iron when it came to that kind oh of shit. Oh, my God. What a fucking- it's like... I was telling my wife yesterday about that. I was like, I was telling her about Brandon and I'm like, that was the freest flow of speed I've maybe ever seen from a drummer. Like watching Brandon play at a Teenage Bottle Rocket show. I remember first hearing you guys and being like, God damn, that's fast. You know what I mean? That's that's Ramon's fast. Those 16th notes on the hi-hat are are no joke. And I was Mm. like, I'm going to get to a show and watch some guy just laboring up there because that's so fast. And then I see Teenage Ball Rocket for the first time, just watching him like fluidly shred that speed where it looked like he was barely even trying. And I was like, wow, that is a powerhouse. Yeah, his his right arm was just something else. And one of his tricks yeah. was just to stick out his right arm straight. Right. You know, and he kind of, and he would, and he would get that going like in a weird hi hat technique. But what it allowed him to do is take his snare like all the way behind his fucking head, like Josh freestyle. Yeah. You know? And, uh, so every, it, some drummers squash that snare hand with their hi hat hand. You can't pick up your left hand that high. Cause you're squashing it with your, your arm crossed over. And then when you go to your ride, all of a sudden you can hit your snare for real. Yeah. And you can fucking hear, yeah. you can fucking hear it. I hear That's it. That's a good point. Yeah. And, and I see it. And uh, especially when I see it on fucking videos, like home videos of whatever, I'm just like, oh, God, fuck you. <laughs> and, and I kind of noticed your, your new drummer does that, too. What, 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 did you force him to do that when he came in or is he just uh, inspired by Brandon? Um, well, Chuka is dynamite. He's got a weird he's got a different flow than Brandon. It's a little bit more. Finesse brand's definitely more meat and potatoes. Right. So I, as like the singer, I, I don't really get a chance to look back at Chuka, but in That's the true. studio, I'm like, fuck that. You have to do it this way. And it could piss him off and he could piss me off. But we have a, oh, we've been in the band long enough now where it's like, well, fuck yeah, you're going to piss me off. Let's make the record better. You know, of course, and, yeah. you know, it's just like the last dance you're talking about earlier with Michael Jordan. Right. These motherfuckers yelling at everybody. I mean, there is a certain element with TH Bottle Rock, and of course, we're joking, and everybody could be like, ha, 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 you sang that like shit. But really, when it comes down to it, you sing it like shit, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, or, sure. Or I sing it like shit, you know? And um, so there's a, there was a couple times on the last recording with Chuka where I said flat out in the studio, play it more like Brandon. And I know it's unfair to say that, mm-hmm. but it's what I want it to fucking sound like. 
Yeah, man, if you have it in your head, that's what you need. I mean, speaking of which, I know Stay Rad was the first new material the band really put together after Brandon passed. How how was it how was it getting back and and like what needed to change for you to to write songs without him? Oh, I think just getting off my ass and picking up the guitar and moving forward and being inspired. You know, Cody and I always talk about some of the best songs we write happen in five fucking minutes. You know, you just like yeah. pick up the guitar and it happens. Sure. Um, that said, I would always have Brandon as the dude that would give me confidence in something I thought sucked. Mm. So I would have something that I would be embarrassed to show anybody and I'd just sort of kind of play it on his couch and he'd come running in from the other room and be like, what the fuck is that? That's fucking great. Nice. And, yeah. and I'd be like, oh, my God. Well, and Brandon would give me the confidence like, well, if he thinks it's rad, it's rad. Right, right, right. Um, and my band, it, it's a certain way with compliments, you know. I could tell when Cody's serious. Like, this song's fucking amazing. And just, like, the way he looks, the way he sounds. I'm like, shit, Cody's being real. But it's pretty easy for all of us to be like, oh, that's great. Oh, I really love that. And, like, now we text it. There's a group text, Bottle Rocket, and a song will pop up. And everybody's like, love afterwards. Or, that's right, right. awesome. You know, and it's just not... You know, I always like to follow it with a phone call. Like, hey, man, like I, yeah. I know I grew up in the 90s, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you really think? Yeah, yeah, what's yeah, yeah. What, what yeah. the shit? Um, yeah, yeah, love, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it could be... I, I want that surge of confidence, and also you could write a song and demo and be so fucking proud of it, and you want more than love from the yeah. person you're for the people you're trying to stoke out the most. And so I always force the conversations onto people. And also whenever I get a song, like Miguel wrote a song that Cody recorded and I just was like, Holy fucking shit. Yes. This is the best lead you've ever written. And uh, I try to get it through with words, but Brandon would certainly give me the confidence that, uh, yeah, like you should believe in yourself and, Believing yourself as songwriting is t- it takes you a long way, and self doubt can take you the opposite direction. And so it's it's a little bit more difficult. But sometimes, like I said, you could uh, I could pick up a guitar and and bust something out really quick that I'm proud of, or I could have something wrestling around my brain for two months, and it's a piece of shit at the end of the day. Sure. Well, it's hard to lose that sounding board. I mean, so much of it, you know, you know you know as many people as I do who have started their, you know, solo careers and stuff in uh, in the last maybe five to ten years. And, I, you know, I hear that consistent thing back from them about being from a band to going by yourself is like losing the sounding board is one of the more difficult things. And being able to have absolute faith in yourself and your own taste and knowing for a fact that, like, oh, this is good without anyone else giving you that, it's really fucking hard. Um, so I can see where that that loss, especially Brandon, who, you know, I know he produced you and stuff in the studio most of the time too, right? Like, like did your yeah. vocal takes and all that? Yeah, definitely. And now it's just me and Andrew that work on it, and I'm glad that it's that way. Um, right. I'll definitely produce Cody whenever he's singing. I was there 
sitting shotgun next to Brandon the whole time. He would produce Cody as a vocalist. Um, Cody's a little different because I've heard him sing the vocal track for Headbanger seven times in a row perfectly. It was like each – you could take any one of the seven takes. It was like – okay. Yeah, like this guy doesn't really need much of a producer, but sometimes he'll have like the Cody inflection on a word that we call the codal. And me and Brad <laughs> were always there to be like, yes, that one. And, you know, and Andrew will highlight it. And it's just like, you know, we all smile. And Cody's definitely done some stuff vocally in the studio that have brought in tears to my eyes, brought in tears to Brandon's eyes. And sometimes it's not about telling someone exactly how to do something and letting them kind of freestyle it and they accidentally do something. So it's a weird scene. Like producing Teenage Battle Rocket could be a little more complicated than it seems. Mm -hmm. And now I know firsthand. But so, yeah, Brandon was definitely involved. And where he wasn't with like bass guitar or something like that in the past. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I could hear shit where it's like, why does that suck? And then I try to step it up with like, let's make this better. Sure, sure. That's awesome. Um, well, do you like to be viewed more as like a, a singer or a guitarist? Like what's what's more important to you? And then when you're writing a song, what normally comes first? Do you do you get the riff and match the melody or vice versa? Um well right now I'm kind of matching words to a riff, I guess you'd say. It's weird. I it, it all comes differently for me. It's not mm -hmm. I don't have like a staple way of you know, I, I la la la, and then I plug in vocals. I've done that before. I've had lyrics, and then I plug them in. Um, I'm not sure. What was your question again? <laughs> uh, I was wondering if you like a oh. if you'd like to be viewed more as a singer or guitar player, and also kind of what what starts the song. What's like the impetus to to get everything going? Right. Um. Shit. I don't know. Like, do you I'm sit always, down I'm with always, an acoustic? You an acoustic guy? Yeah, yeah, I'm an acoustic guy. Um, I play. I've, I played some acoustic guitar here and there, but uh, you know, I mean, I kind. I like Brand used to always say acoustic sucks, or no, he used to always <laughs> say fuck acoustic, and it's like, yeah, yeah I, there's a part of me that has the whole fuck acoustic vibe too. Um, uh, I I would like to think to myself as the second best singer in Teenage Bottle Rocket. That's what I am. Okay. <laughs> and. and uh, you know, it's kind of weird because I'm always I'm always singing, I'm always playing guitar on both. I'm just like I'm more of the front man for Bottle Rocket because Cody could get some beers in him and talk between songs on stage, and whenever he does, it's fucking hilarious. Right. For the most part, I got to be that guy, you know? Right, right, right. And so, kind of like the front man that's the second best singer. Which when's that happen? I don't know. We might be. Hey, the not every guy. singer is a front man, you know? Right. So. Right, totally. Um, so, yeah, and as far as my songs lately, it started with a song title, this newest song that Sonia was working on this morning. I don't have a song title yet. I know what it's about. It. <laughs> okay. what's, the, what's the vibe? Give me the vibe. Give, um, the, give the people an insight into what's the happening. Vibe, the moment. vibe is you show your friend a band. You end up hating her. <laughs> she shows all her friends your favorite bands. Oh. 
and then you kind of hate the bands after, you know? Oh like, my god, that, I don't, that's the vibe. I, and yeah. um, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's shirts, there's certain shirts around town that make me mad. You know, like yeah, you wouldn't be fucking wearing that shirt if it wasn't for me. You don't know, <laughs> but there's a lot of. Like, <laughs> So much. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't like I've never heard this song and I understand it so well. <laughs> That's awesome. So you're you're like well, I mean borderline 20 25 years in the the touring game now. Um like how are you find the balance of like home and road, you know, you know the older Milo gets and stuff like that. And do you have any any tips for for new bands getting out there? Like, what's a good what's a good tour tip or road dog tip? Hmm. The biggest struggle for me is absolutely being a father, and it's especially shitty whenever your kid's not old enough to talk on the phone, but they yeah, are. Right. They're old enough, but they can't. They don't want to. They're bored. You miss them more than anything. Milo, what's up? Yeah, dude. Cool. Hang up. You know, it can yeah. be tough. Yeah. Right. FaceTime's developed since Milo was at that age. I wish it right. was that way when I was little. <laughs> when I was little. <laughs> when he was little. When he was little, I wish there was FaceTime because I think seeing helps. Yes. And uh, definitely. You know, now when me and Milo are FaceTiming, we barely even look at the screen. We're kind of always fucking off in the corner or whatever. And like, right. dude, I could tell when he's doing something else. I'm like, dude, close <laughs> YouTube. Whatever you're doing, stop. Yeah, Keep well, yeah, focus. I'm in I'm in Belgium right now. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So I would say tips as far as parents on the road. Yeah, FaceTime's the shit. Um Yeah, get an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, get an iPhone. My Milo's mom does not have an iPhone. Oh no. So I will have to work it out whenever he's with my parents, whenever I'm on the road, or I'll I'll do the Skype action, man. Yeah, we'll you Skype can't have, can't have green texting in Europe. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> That's an issue. <laughs> um, and I think just distribute your party nights. If you're a band like Teenage Bottle Rocket, I think it's important yeah. for us to not be dumb shitheads every night, just yes. like every other night. And because. Gotta pace it. You can't James Harden yourself in every town. Right. Well, everybody's got to deal with your stupid ass the next day. You know, <laughs> right, we're, all, right. we're all in a van together. And I don't want everybody to deal with, uh, I need Arby's or whatever I would say, <laughs> wa- wasted in the van. I don't want them to hear that every day, just like every other day. <laughs> That's a I'm, really good tip for a younger band, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you got you know, it. if you do it every other day, your band's like, oh, Ray's so funny. If you do it every day, everyone's like, yeah, I hate Ray. So, yeah. <laughs> No, you're right. It's it's like the the subtle difference between tasteful and just pure punishment from another person. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. That's really that's. I'm even doing that now in quarantine. You know, I treat myself <laughs> to a little extra scotch since we're going through a crisis. But I'm like, I got to be sure that one or two nights a week, I'm not drinking scotch. I know where that goes. You know. Yeah, I've been drinking a lot more since this shit, and yeah. definitely worries my girlfriend. But I like tequila, <laughs> and um, sometimes I party, and nobody else was a party, and so I hit my cell phone up pretty hard. You know, I bug people. 
I've gotten a couple of those from you, I feel. <laughs> See? I, I've definitely got I've got a couple like random calls at like two in the morning. I'm like, huh, what's Ray want? That's strange. <laughs> yeah, That's- and then people people hit me back up the next day and I'm like, Yeah, yeah, you don't exist today. I, I feel embarrassed. <laughs> like don't don't remind me of what I would have said. And I quickly like delete phone calls back. You know, it's like this was available at one point and now it's gone. So, oh, I'll, I'll, yeah, anytime you want to call me, I'll fuck with you. All right. Um, <laughs> Same. So, I saw on Twitter you had some thoughts on Nicolas Cage and you were going to bat for him. You were pro Cage. Okay. Now, this is an argument I have with a lot of people who are anti Cage and I'm always making the case for him. What, what's your case for Nick Cage? I mean, raising Besides Arizona. Raising Arizona. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Besides raising Arizona, I don't have one. <laughs> okay, um, that's just the end all be all. Uh, well, I mean, everybody tells me that movie with like the, all the blood everywhere is great. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Um, do you know what Which I'm talking about? That? It's like he's what, on the front it? cover. There's like blood all over his face or something. Is that the one where he steals the Constitution or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Oh. Um, oh, okay. But maybe some of the listeners will know and uh, make a comment. I don't, I don't know that movie. Um, that movie where he's an alcoholic in Vegas, I guess. Oh, Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a, a sad, real movie. Yeah. Is it Leaving? Wait, no. What is that? Leaving that, Las yeah, Vegas. It's a deep film. And he also did Honeymoon in Vegas with Elvis. So Nick Cage oh, is yeah. he is the Vegas actor. I think that's it's his that's his wheelhouse. um so i i saw the the headbanger video again recently which is hilarious can you tell me the story about how that got put together yeah um cody and i played a band called sack and headbanger is a sack song a lot of people don't realize it so it's bigger than kiss um bigger than kiss wasn't on the sack record because it wasn't written yet but uh Headbangers definitely on the sack record that came out in 2003. And yeah, dude, uh, someone asked if I was in the Kiss Army and I said, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like, it's just a, a hilarious lyric. Um, then this guy came in the room, you know, and his shirt said Bark of the Moon or whatever, you know, looking like the ghost of Cliff Burton or all these lyrics were just uh, so relatable to you know, owning Cliff and Mall on VHS in 1992 kind of deal, you know? (laughs) And um, our friend, his name is Magic Cyclops. His name's Scott, but he goes by Magic Cyclops. He was was on American Idol, and (laughs) just as a grumpy fuck in the audition stages of American Idol and the production team really latched on to him, and he had this huge, like, 10-minute feature in American Idol – and so we dressed him up as the headbanger for the video and his That's shirt awesome. said bark at the moon. And it was like, let's all like get it, bring out your overkill shirts. I'm sure like a lot of people <laughs> hit uh, eBay or whatever for their t-shirts for the, for the headbanger vid or whatever. And, you know, it was like, let's throw a heavy metal party. Tony Forrester was there because Guar was playing with, Municipal Waste, or should I say, Municipal Waste was playing with Guar up the street. Yeah, right. yeah. And we tried like hell to get Guar to come, and they didn't make it, but Tony made it. So he has a little cameo. It's just like a lot of our songs kind of has that we didn't grow up. We, didn't, we weren't born with Mohawks. 
you know, right. but we were yeah, kind yeah. of bored with big white Adidas sneakers. And uh, <laughs> um, you can't run away from that as far as this is what we listened to before we were punk. And that's yeah. sort of the, the song sort of has that vibe. It's not it's definitely not putting anybody down that has an overkill shirt or a Death Angel shirt. Right. We're on the same team. God damn it. Exactly. <laughs> Hey, people forget that. I try to remind, you know, you've played a lot of festivals and stuff in Europe. I'm always going at it with my peers, you know, who are in a backstage, a little drunk, you know, talking shit on, you know, the 19-year-old British indie rock band who's playing a bigger stage than they are. And they're all, you know, upset about it and jealous. And I'm like, you guys remember, you take away all these tents, you take away this field, and you put us all in like Georgia or you put us all in some weird place we're the same you know we're just weird people writing songs who are uncomfortable and insecure and that's the reason we're all here we just have different taste in music and clothes and it's really um, the only difference you know well yeah I mean in Europe is that opportunity like we played with Exodus in Europe with like Chunk No Cap Captain Chunk and yeah. <laughs> and Exodus and uh, we were like that. are you fucking kidding me and um you know the singer to Exodus wore a teenage bottle rocket shirt and for us it's just like we're going to find him we're going to fucking find Perry Farrell and we're going to try <laughs> to do something we're going like, to yeah. get a picture um you know, I can't deny my Primus Jane's addiction past either. Uh, we okay. don't really, we don't really have a song called like "Big Cat in the Hat Hat Guy with a Chain Wallet," but um, <laughs> that, that era existed too in my life. I would um, love to hear your pork soda era of teenage bottle rocket. <laughs> <laughs> I got pork soda on vinyl recently. Great record, nice, great um, record, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah, fucking A, man. I like, we like hanging out with the metal dudes. A lot of metal dudes don't listen to punk, man. <laughs> but you guys are fast. So I can see an Exodus crowd being into you guys. They just want some speed. You know, they just the, want some this one, this one wasn't. <laughs> oh, okay. Where was that show? Where was the Exodus show? Uh, it was in Switzerland. It was okay. in Switzerland. Well, and it was just one of these anyway. weird festivals. Yeah. yeah, I think it was over a couple of days. So Was it an outdoor it was indoor. Oh, okay, so at least they didn't have the damn decibel restriction. It was <laughs> yeah. Switzerland Outdoor Festival has like a 98 dB restriction, which literally my snare drum without a mic on it is over 98 dB. Like I've almost oh, been man. arrested many times <laughs> in places like in Scandinavia and Switzerland because of shit like that. So we have to give some insight into the Red Scare Fantasy Football League. Which is right. highly contested, uh, very competitive year to year. The same crew. Uh, I have been a winner of this league before. I should note that. And I don't believe you have. I haven't, but I will take credit <laughs> for getting you into the league. That's true. You got me in. I forgot about that. Listen, <laughs> Toby, I've been fucking with Toby a lot. Up until about three months ago, Toby didn't know what I looked like. Well, and it's he, funny he because... He pretended not to know me a lot of times. I've given him well, shit no, recently. That's why I'll say it on a podcast. He, he didn't know what you looked like. He didn't know what I you know. looked like. He, you know what's funny, though, is because when I fucking first met you, I knew yeah. Brian because you guys played with Dead to Me and Riverboat Gamblers or something like that or The Draft right. in yeah, Denver. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. And I hung out with Brian and... 
Brandon actually bought like the last copy of the first pressing of the the first Sink or Swim, the the Gaslight Anthem record, the first one. Anyway, oh, nice. I, I, I was kind of buddies with Brian with like messages here back and forth. But I was like, I heard from Mikey Erg and everybody like, yeah, Brian's rad. Benny's the fucking raddest. And so, <laughs> and so I went to the Gothic Theater and you had just shaved your head. And so oh, I was like yeah. looking around for like, hey, I want to make friends with Benny, this long haired <laughs> freak on the drums. Yeah. And I was like, but his brother with the shaved, with the shaved <laughs> head seems like he's really nice too. Like, <laughs> I guess I won't hang out with Benny tonight, but whoever this other guy is. Uh, I freak so a lot I think of it's your fault, that. man. It's your fault. No one knows what you look like. I know. I definitely I got a funny story about that. So we were playing in New York City literally like the day after I did it. It was a very quick and sudden thing. I just started dating my girlfriend, who is now my wife. And, you know, she started dating a beautiful head of long hair. And she shows up to the show with one of her friends. I didn't tell her and just sees me walk on stage with a freshly, freshly, not bicked. But freshly shorn head. But that night, we're loading out, and I need to pull the van around. And I get in the van, I start pulling it around, and someone starts banging on the side, runs up to the window, motherfucker, starts yelling at me. I'm like, whoa, 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 the fuck is going on? And it was Alex Levine's dad who thought I jumped in the van and started running away with it and was about to drag me out and kick the shit out of me. <laughs> he had no idea. So I almost got... And Alex Levine's dad has been working at, like, the MTA fixing buses for, like, 40 fucking years or something. So, you know, that set of hands gets on you. You're not going anywhere. So I was fucking terrified. I'm like, Scott! Scott, it's me! It's me! I just shaved my head! And he's like, oh, Benny, I almost killed you. I'm like, oh. So I guess I did trick a lot of people with that. But Anyway. Including Toby. <laughs> yeah, including Toby. I know. I just like fucking with him now because it seems like it really works. Um, well, you guys are good at fantasy football. You, like, you actually watch games and shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know what's yeah, funny? Uh, I've, I've given up. Man. I mean, I, to a point, fantasy is the only thing keeping me in. It's uh, I had a really hard time. Like, football... The, the culture of football started bumming me out a long time ago when I grew up and realized that a lot of the things I saw at games and with fans and at bars and stuff when I was younger uh, was really fucking shitty. I didn't know it. You know what I mean? It was kind of like all I knew. I grew up going to games. I saw the way people acted and talked to each other, and it was just kind of par for the course. And then I got older, and I'm like, damn, this is some, like, culturally unattractive trash bag shit going on here. And I go to a Giants game, and I'm like, this is, like, one step away from NASCAR. And, you know, coupled with the collisions and what was going on with people's head injuries, which started making me enjoy the violence of football a little less, and then with Kaepernick a few years ago, it was just... And in conjunction with the Giants really sucking, that made it kind of easier. I am not gonna relate. You know, I'm a Broncos <laughs> like, fan. It's like, but yeah, like like all those things combined have really led me to like. I haven't watched a game in a while. I've watched a little bit of Giants, but in the last two three years, I really haven't watched much. And most of my fantasy football acumen is is straight from uh, stat grazing now and, and less watching. I would say. Yeah, that's kind of how I run it, and you know, so my my fantasy team's called the Donkeys. Oh yeah, 
um, just let every, all the listeners know. And you're, uh, what is it, Taft something? I'm the Taft Rockets, which yeah. is a uh, a testament to the film uh, uh, with Kurt Russell, the, the football, Kurt Russell and Robin Williams football movie. Um, shit, the name is leaving. Brad, you're old. Do you remember this? I don't think, I don't even know this movie. Kurt, Kurt Russell, Russell Robin Williams. Unnecessary roughness. <laughs> no, no, that was, that was Jennifer Ireland and and, uh, and the guy from Quantum Leap, uh, wait. Sinbad. <laughs> yeah, and Sinbad. Wait, uh, here we um, go. Oh, the best anyway. of times. The best of times is where the Taft oh, Rockets no. is from. Very yeah, cool movie if you've never seen it. So I would say, right. who's the cream of the crop of this league? I've won it a couple of times. Dan Andriano is quite good. Yes, it's, and it's, I can tell you who one. the shit of the league is, is me and uh, <laughs> Kent Jameson from NoFX. Oh, yeah, Kent's uh, pretty bad. Yeah. Um, a golfer, Bart, you know. Bart, Bart at Fat Records is not to uh, – yeah, I think that he has a chance sometimes and then he blows it, but uh, he's not to be fucked with. He can take you out whenever you think you're hot shit. And uh, – I'm always rooting for Bart. If I'm not rooting for the Bar- the donkeys, I'm rooting for Bart, who is Carl Hungus. Oh, yeah. Fought that team valiantly before. Well, <laughs> listen, I hope the donkeys prove valiant whenever football starts again. The year of the donkey. Oh, God. That'd be great. <laughs> what are you going to do when you win? I mean, Toby doesn't give an up. Well, I mean, I won that year, and I got to be honest. It was very anticlimactic. Like, nothing happened. Like I, know, I thought, I, I thought I Toby was going to write a cool like Red Scare tweet, like congratulations or something. Well, maybe you if you're Dan Andriano, yeah, yeah take that, Toby. Fuck. Um, <laughs> I should have wrote more songs, right? It's always hurt me, you know. <laughs> well, I've seen him tweet here and there. He's like, he's stuck to have Benny in the league for sure. I um, I, I think we should have a trophy. Like I, I told Toby, yeah, like, can we have yeah. like a bong or something and like something. You have to mail the bong to whoever wins it, and then they got to clean it after they use it for a year. Or like, if you don't smoke, <laughs> then you don't have to clean it at all, and then they mail it to the next person. Some sort of tradition where it's like, winner has something that they have at their house for a year, and yeah, we need to maybe, come up with something. But, maybe uh, a bong with like a little lampshade on top for like the people who may not use it, so they could right, you yeah, know, like or, the leg lamp, like just I, something I, that's. I went, I went straight to bong because the dude from Bowling for Soup has a league where they have a bong as a trophy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. It, it could be anything. It could be like what uh, we could come up. We could put our heads together. They, they we used to take money in the league. People would donate. I mean, would secure their spot in the league with money. And then no one paid except for like me and two other <laughs> right. people. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. we stopped doing money, and I better not kick, get kicked out of the fucking league. I know that. Um, I, I think that dude from the copyrights needs to go. <laughs> Luke, <laughs> Luke doesn't give a shit. I can barely tell if Deanna from Sincere Engineers gives a shit. We yeah. were playing each other during Riot Fest. I'm like, you're going down this weekend. And she's like, what are you talking about, dickhead? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm talking about the league. But, um, the league, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know? Uh, well, one day, Ray. Regardless, it's fun to be in the league. It's fun to be your competitor. And it's very fun to break Toby's balls. I like <laughs> it a lot, actually. I think it's a good time. But... Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. it. You, you got anything you want to uh, add or mention? 
Uh, I, you know, I feel ashamed because I don't know the name of your new band that we're going to play with. Oh, that's cool. It's called Mercy Union. I'll see you out there on the road. Yeah, right. That's a good way to end this, right? Whenever, yeah. uh, when the, well, next time we meet up, hopefully you don't have too weird of a haircut and, and I'll, <laughs> and I'll recognize you. <laughs> yeah. I'll have a mask up, but I'll write my name on the mask or something, you know? Something <laughs> okay. cool. Yeah. Some cool design. <laughs> Maybe a Teenage Bottle Rocket logo. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for taking the time, man. Right on. Yeah. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Ray. Uh, I want to go to Wyoming now. Dude, so, like, where better to be right now, for real, Ugh. than amongst... 500,000 people. Yeah. In that whole place. Amongst the That's cows. Newark and Jersey City. <laughs> <laughs> it's like within two miles, we have half a million people, you know? The big sky. Oh, it's beautiful. I had a lovely experience out there. My first time, I, I did a cross-country trip with my old roommate, uh, Evan. We drove across the country in his Hyundai accent, <laughs> and we did some of the national parks. We did, uh, we did the Badlands. We did Glacier. We did Yellowstone. And we had stopped in Wyoming. Him and I thought it would be a good idea. We're like, you know what? We're not going to bring any weed on this trip. Let's be focused. Let's, like take in the experience this and that and we were like you know 12 hours in we're like fuck bad move um <laughs> and we get out to one of these spots and we met a, a group of women who are also traveling across the country and you know they were hippie types and one of them offered me a smoke i'm like sure you know it'd been a couple days before i know it man i'm on a on a park bench in the middle of a campground looking up super stoned and I never had seen anything like that in my life. Like, like you know, what big sky country oh, actually yeah, yeah. means when from horizon to horizon, there's just 100,000 stars and the sky is glowing. And I, I forever have one of those, like, true pinpoint flashbulb memories of that moment. Then I fell asleep on this bench, not in my tent or anything. They all left me out there. <laughs> and I woke up. Like pitch black, hearing fucking coyotes and rattlesnakes and shit. Just ducked it. I'm like, "What are you guys doing? I didn't even out there." So you know, the, you know, it got a little, a little hairy towards the end. But I love it out there, man. I, you know, if I could convince my wife to turn our family into a militia or something, maybe we'd get out. It'd get be, yourself a fun. ranch. Yeah, but that was a great interview. I do want to say, I know we talked a little smack about. Toby from Red Scare. Right. I want him to know that it was all lighthearted. <laughs> and to give a little background, when I was down at Fest in Gainesville, maybe a year or two ago, I passed by Toby like half a dozen times and he never said hello. And I was a little I was a little sensitive that weekend anyway. Some things were going on. I mentioned it to a couple people and I think it got back to him, okay? <laughs> so I knew this. And we played a show at uh, Crossroads with Lawrence Arms. And I see Toby. And just to mess with him, first thing, I, I walk up and I go, I just point to my face. <laughs> like, you see this? We good? We good? You know, so it's all up front. We're breaking each other's balls. He's a nice guy. And I truly appreciate his fantasy football league, which whenever football starts again, I will win. You know, it's Dan okay Adriano to bust on somebody's Alkaline fantasy Field. football league. Benny, by definition. Listen, 
<laughs> Dan from Alkaline Trio is a beast in that league. He's he's always got a great team. It's the, those Chicago guys, you know. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so that was a little background on that. <laughs> I, you know, one of these days, I'm going to get into trouble, Brad. It's happening. It's like Danny, you're too nice. Nobody's know, ever going to hold it against you. I'm the guy with the big mouth here. I'll get into trouble. I talk so much more than you. Yeah, but you don't talk as <laughs> you, you, you think more. It is true. Your background does help you. And, and I, I have a funny story about that quickly since we're in the outro. Okay. <laughs> I had a bad breakup with an ex once who hacked into my MySpace account and wrote about 20 to 30 messages to women that I followed and was friends with on MySpace saying, hey, I only follow you because I want you to suck my dick. <laughs> and I only follow because I want to fuck you. And like these really, you know, <gasps> she went for it. She went after me, you know. And the one good thing I could say is where my mom was right about just being nice to people, having a good track record, a good baseline. Not one person in that group hit me up being like, fuck you, Benny. Right. Everyone went, did you get hacked? <laughs> like, did something weird happen? Like, what's going on? Because I know you wouldn't write that. So you're right. Maybe. But listen, I'm chipping away at those good graces, you know? Enough, enough killer stories. You, got, you some, got some credit. That's called credit. It's called good karma credit, buddy. Someone's going to come after me. Uh, but anyway, everyone should listen to Teenage Bottle Rocket. They Oh god, uh, yes. If you haven't listened to him before, like I mean what you were saying about the Ramones. It, yes, I'm a humongous Ramones fan and I love Teenage Bottle Rocket, but the truth is is like they're going to appeal to people. Some people don't get the Ramones. I've got a I've got a my guest's uh host here. Oscar, do you want to say hi? Hey Oscar. He's gone. What's up, big man? Um, he ba- he basically just came in and TP'd me. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> you just got toilet papered by your son. Okay. Give me a What's up, Oscar? What are you doing? Here, here come say hi. Come say hi to everybody. Hi. Say hi What's to up, our bud? audience. Say, send us How money. How you feeling? Send us money. <laughs> yeah. You want to see something funny, Oscar? Lots Watch of this. money. Look, I have a horn on my head. <laughs> All right. Give me five minutes and I'll come out and I'll... um. You want, hey, Kid wants me to go shoot him with a Nerf gun. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on over there? <laughs> Sadomasochism, Jesus. Anyway, he, uh, he, uh, anyway. he's asking for money. So if anybody <laughs> wants to send Oscar a few bucks, you can send it to our Venmo account at Off Track. Yeah, and let me tell you people, I just saw this kid on FaceTime. He looks like shit. It looks like Brad doesn't feed him. I don't feed him, clothe brush him. Brush his hair. This kid, he looks bad. So so just everyone send a couple, couple dollars to Brad's apartment. I don't know what's going on in I, New York. I could right post now. a picture just to just to get money for a haircut for him. He hasn't had a yeah, haircut like in... Um, 28 days later over there. I'm a little concerned. He's He thinks he's Kurt Cobain. He's an eight-year-old Kurt Cobain. He's like, he refuses yeah. to cut his hair. Um, but right. Kind of cool. Um, I want to thank uh, Carrie Ann and Tyler, who this week gave us some very generous Venmo uh, thank you so contributions. Much. It will definitely be used. Um, and uh, yeah, if, like I said, if you want to do it, uh, it's Venmo at Off Track. Um, you can keep in touch with us on our Instagram, Going Off Track, Twitter, Going Off Track, um, website, goingofftrack.com. And what's your little new your little new play your play website? I yeah, like so goingofftrack.com slash play will give you all the options you need to play uh, po- uh, play the podcast on Spotify or subscribe on iTunes. 
Um, you know, you don't have to give us money. You could give us likes on iTunes. We've got a lot of very positive reviews, and we're very grateful. But if you haven't yeah. reviewed us, most of them are kind of old. And um, the last few That's reviews true. are people going, where the fuck are you guys? Yeah, when are you guys <laughs> coming back? So we're back. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. if you haven't left us a review, go leave us a positive review. <laughs> That's true. If you do, if, if, I assume if you're still listening that you would leave a positive review, so I don't have to even – um, designate that it should be good or bad. But um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, and uh, like I was saying, Teenage Bottle Rocket they they uh, reannounced some shows in late June in Wyoming, and also some tour dates in July. I know we talked to Ray. You know, not sure that's going to happen, but keep an eye out on him. Uh, he's on Twitter at Ray Bottle Rocket, Instagram at Ray underscore Bottle Rocket. The band is at Teen Bottle Rock on Twitter and Teenage Bottle Rocket on Instagram. Um, the last record, first real record they've done without Brandon, they did a great job. Uh, band just keeps getting better and better, man. Yeah. And if uh, they're turning into one of those, if you're going to get into punk rock, you're, you have to listen to Teenage Bottle Absolutely. Rocket. Absolutely. You got to get one of their records or else you're not real. You ain't real. You ain't real. You ain't real. It'll make you so, happy. It'll make you happy. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thanks to Ray. Thanks for everyone to listen and help us out. Um, if we get some more money, Brad's going to buy me a microphone. So I'll sound, <laughs> I'll sound great. <laughs> You'll hear all my little lisps. You know, I went to English speech class for S's and R's. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> <laughs> right, I think Oscar's cutting us off. <laughs> Oh, he's got the nerve gun in tow. He's strapped. He's strapped. <laughs> All right, I gotta go. All right, perfect ending. Bye. We'll, we'll see you next week. <laughs>